Good morning, everybody. I hope you have your coffee ready as we are about to dive into the Great Commission of Jesus that he gives us in the book of Matthew at the ending chapter um, and what that means for us as a congregation and as believers in the gospel, believers in Jesus, uh, and what that almost means also as Lutherans in our context here at First Lutheran Church of Gray Manor. I'm coming here from my office, and uh, as you see behind us today, in the background is the earth, because Jesus tells us to go throughout the earth, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, so I'm going to share my screen once again for you this morning. Let's see, get this off. All right. So we have Logos Bible Software. Again, if you are a member here at First Lutheran Church, you get to use that for free, and they're not paying me to say that. Uh, simply use the web app, app.logos.com, to access it, and you have access to hundreds of commentaries free of charge just for being a member of the church. Uh, so we are in this series of faith, family, and future. So the first piece that we really need to discuss is our faith, why it's important for us as believers of Jesus what that means to be a believer of Jesus. So it tells us here in Matthew 28, verse 16. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came near and spoke to them, I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded uh, to you. Look, myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. So let's talk about this, right? Uh, as a called and ordained minister of the Church of Jesus Christ of this congregation, it says that I am the chief evangelist. Now, what does that mean, right? I'm the chief evangelist. Doesn't mean that I'm the only one doing evangelism, right? That's the job of the church. Looking at the Bible, it is the job of the church. Now, I've heard from people that evangelism makes you uncomfortable. I've heard this, right? It makes us uncomfortable. Again, I remember at Troy United Methodist Church, I was serving as a youth pastor, and we had this evangelism conference. And uh, one of the evangelists for the conference came in, and they said, the average, at that time, I was Methodist, the average United Methodist shares their faith every 33 years. And again, Methodism was started by basically evangelists. They rode around on horseback, preached in barns and bar rooms. They uh, used uh, bar tunes to create hymns uh, in order to, to reach new people. So they did some incredible ministry that John Wesley and his brother Charles and the whole clan. However, the descendants of the, the Wesley brothers shared their faith every 33 years. Now, I want you to think, as Lutherans, how often do you think we share our faith? How often do we really take the Great Commission seriously? Um, we were founded by a leader that was an academic um, that changed the world. It said that, you know, when he nailed those statements on the door in Wittenberg, that it was heard around the world. Uh, and so we, uh, we come from a good tradition, right? 
of changing society for Jesus, uh, getting the church back in order to where it needs to be. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, in the midst of this liberal nonsense we call Christianity here in America today, um, we have a responsibility as Lutherans, as conservatives, to bring back the truth of Jesus into this messed up place, uh, to bring Jesus back uh, for people of all nations, all races, all languages, to hear the truth of Jesus. Uh, so, the 11 disciples uh, went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. So, first of all, let's just kind of work this verse by verse here for us this morning. And I'm going to do my very best uh, to do this with you this morning. So, the first thing that I kind of notice in this first verse verse 16, is they listened to Jesus, uh, to the mountain where Jesus told them to go. So they they went, let's highlight that, they went where Jesus told them to go. Now imagine this, we as the congregation of Jesus Christ here at First Lutheran Church, I'm bugging my eyes up because it's a shocker. If we as the congregation at First Lutheran Church were to go where Jesus told us to go, what would that mean for us? If the church worldwide were to go where Jesus told them to go, what would that change? What, what would that mean for his people? I, I absolutely believe that that means there would be a difference in the church today. Because often we go where we want to go. We plant churches where we want to plant churches. And this is this goes back hundreds of years, right? I mean, why why is there a church in Gray Manor? I don't know. I don't know that story. Uh, I'm I've been trying to uncover it. Um in past churches, uh the bishops decided where the churches were to be planted. So that's what happened. I, I know of a story up in Kansas City where this young pastor told the bishop's office, hey, I want to plant a church in Kansas City, out there uh, in this developing community. And the bishop's office said, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. First, you, what you need to do is go serve some country churches uh, and pay your dues. That's what they, they like to tell us pastors. We need to pay our dues. Uh, and so he said, no, I'm not going to do that. So he planted a church out in Kansas City. And that church is called Life Church today. And Life Church has, I don't know, hundreds of campuses all across the United States. It's one of the largest thriving churches worldwide. It is non-denominational. But hey, he glorified the kingdom of God and followed and went where God told him to go. He went where God told him to go. And I can tell you, for me, in my faith, God told me to come to Dundalk, Maryland. Because it took God himself to, to convince me to leave Florida, as many of you know in church, to come to Maryland. Um, it was God's voice, his conviction. And if you listen to my sermon two weeks ago, I understood I either had to choose to follow God or be vomited up like Jonah. And I didn't want option two. So going where Jesus tells us to go is so important. Now they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. So let's, let's tune in on this word. They worshiped him. They worship Jesus. So I bet you if I were to do a word study on this, if I were to look at the Greek and, and uh, Aramaic of this text, that in fact, 
um, to me, this signifies of who he is because they're not going to worship anybody but God, right? I mean, that would be blasphemy. And so, again, it's just a, an indication very clearly to me uh, that Jesus is God, that he is part of the divine. Uh, he, God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There are people today that believe that Jesus was just a, a, a person, that he wasn't God. He, he was the Messiah, but he wasn't God. Uh, but in fact, we as the ancient church, again, faith, family, future, for 2,000 plus years have accepted the divinity of Jesus Christ as a God, a God three in one. And so they worshiped him. The disciples worshiped him at the end of this book of Matthew, right? They, they understood who he was. He, he had been raised from the dead, right? He's living among them and they worship him. But it still says some doubted, right? Some doubt it. But Jesus came near and spoke to them. I've received all authority in heaven and on earth. All right. So let's talk about that. He received all authority in heaven and on earth. So we know that Jesus, when he was born, it says what? He took the form of a slave servant. He became flesh. He... Uh, he became like one of us, right? That could live and die. Uh, he gave up some of that divinity. And I don't, I don't want to sound heretical here. He gave up that power, that authority of his divine being, I should say. He was still 100% divine. He gave up that part to become a slave servant, is what the scripture says. And so he was resurrected from the dead at this point. And what I believe is that that authority, all of that authority, then was therefore restored, uh, that that he accepted 100% of his authority. And, and again, I, I would need to talk to a theologian to really get deeper. I'm, again, what they call a practical theologian. Uh, I, I pastor a church. That's, that's what's important. Uh, so he received all authority in heaven and on earth. So that authority... Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate it. He knows more than I do. So he received all of this authority in heaven and earth over the disciples and and he and and over the people that we call Christians today, right? All people. And he says what? He says, "Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit." And so we as believers in Jesus, not just the pastors, have to go and make disciples. Now, let's talk about that, right? So there's this verb here, to go, all right? So we have to do it. It's a command. And throughout the scriptures, we are given a command to go do something. And so in this case, we are to go and make disciples. Um, if we're not doing that, then we're not following the words of Jesus. And that's a problem. Like when Jesus gives us a command and tells us something that we need to go and do, we need to follow him. And when we're not following the will of God, I'm, I'm concerned as the church. And perhaps this is why the church has been in decline over the years is we have been so uncomfortable with going and making disciples. Um, I shared earlier 
in my previous denomination, they said every 33 years they shared their faith. I, I just wonder uh, how often uh, people in our churches, pastors included, share their faith. And with COVID, it has become even more incredibly intense because I used to be able to go to the grocery store and share Jesus with people. And when I wear my, my clerics, uh, it always opens up conversations of faith. Uh, and I often have been able to share who Jesus is with people in random places like hospital, hospital elevators. Uh, and so we now have to think outside of the box. So that's why I'm here right now online. Uh, that's why many of our churches are streaming our live services. I've been accused of being the Google pastor, and that's okay, uh, because we have to share our faith in these unique, different ways to spread the gospel of Jesus. Uh, I remember talking to one of my members down in South Florida. He was from Africa, and he was telling me that back in the 50s and 60s, they would have these big um, radio towers that were hundreds of feet tall to spread the word of Jesus across the, the deserts of Africa uh, and just how they would have these tent revivals with thousands of people coming to know Jesus for the very first time. It was the first time they had ever heard his voice. Uh, and he also told me by this time and this era, uh, it's almost impossible to have these untouched people groups where they don't have never heard of Jesus. Now there are a few, um, the Baptist Seminary in New Orleans, for example, they uh, hold the archives or the Great Commission Society, and uh, you can go on their website and see these untouched people groups. So maybe God's calling you to, to go to one of those groups and spread the word of Jesus, or maybe he's calling you to knock on the door of your neighbor uh, and, and tell them about the love of Christ. Uh, we'd be surprised how many people are connected to each of us that really don't know who God is. Uh, that don't have a relationship with him. And what's really sad is uh, when there's people within our church communities that really don't know Christ uh, personally. Um, and so it's our job to, to share that love and knowledge and catechize our people in the faith. And then it says we are to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So yes, we, we need to be baptizing people. I'm so blessed uh, the amount of baptisms every month. It seems like Somebody is wanting to get their child baptized. And, and I just pray that we as a church have the opportunity to raise those children up in the faith. Because if we're going to follow our threefold vision that I'm, I'm hoping to cast here at our church, faith, family, future, that families take priority. Uh, that we are catechizing young children into the faith. So when they're ready to, to go into, especially middle school on up, they are ready to combat the world because... Man, there's some crazy things that the world is throwing at them uh, in today's society, uh, especially here in, in Maryland. Uh, it's a much more progressive advancements uh, than me where I grew up in the Bible Belt. Uh, so I'm just really concerned about our children and what they're going to be exposed to in the world. Uh, so we need to do a good job here at our church. And I'm really grateful uh, for, for great Sunday school teachers that have uh, taken on some new curriculum uh, to hopefully have birth through death here at our church, studying the same lectionary text every single week. Uh, that is so exciting uh, for me as a pastor, and it's something I've been wanting to do since the days that I was a children's pastor at Lee Joyner Methodist Church in Monroe. Um, and to do so in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, this is why as uh, Lutherans uh, and many denominations, 
I'm not going to rebaptize somebody that was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we don't need to rebaptize people. Now, if you were baptized in a tradition um, or a non-Christian tradition, even like the Mormon Church, for example, they don't baptize in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So we're gonna we're gonna rebaptize that person. But for everybody else, uh, we can reaffirm your baptism uh, and and anoint you with water and say, remember your baptism and be grateful or be thankful, either one. Um, and I've experienced that as well. It's very healing because there is power, I believe, uh, through the Holy Spirit, through the the workings of the elements of of the water. Uh, so teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Look, I myself will be with you every day until the end of the present age. All right. So teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. All right. So what does this say to us as believers in Jesus? It says that we don't have options, right? That we must obey as disciples, everything that he's commanded us. Uh, so we don't get to pick and choose. It's not a, it's not a, cafeteria style Piccadilly those still exist uh, where we we can choose which parts of Christianity we want to accept and which parts we don't that's my problem with the liberalism of the Christian church today is we have often now pick and choose out of the scripture what we want to keep and what we don't want to keep uh, and that just creates complete issues uh, I've talked about the miracles of Jesus if we start denying the miracles of Jesus then we're questioning his divinity we're questioning the whole scripture, right? Uh, this is not cafeteria style Christianity, at least not at our church. Uh, we're going to preach the Bible at First Lutheran Church. And uh, if anybody doesn't like it, I don't know what to say to them. Uh, I believe the word in its entirety. And we're going to teach here to, to follow the commands of God, uh, the follow the commands that Jesus gave his disciples. Now, we know we're a bunch of messed up people. So uh, we're going to we're going to mess up time to time. But uh, we are striving the best that we can to do to do the best that we can because we have a relationship with Jesus and we love him. Uh, and when we don't, uh, we hold each other accountable and we build each other up. Um, and so I, I love all of you. Uh, and I, I just encourage you to continue to try to get uh, into a small group of some type. I'm really excited. Uh, I saw that uh, a kind of a young adult study started. I believe Sarah Paul is leading it. Uh, and it was two or three Sundays ago before the snow. And I walked up here uh, on Sunday morning and saw a huge group of people reading the Bible together. Uh, that was that was such up uplifting for me as the pastor. So I just want to go over a couple more things now that we've gone over the scripture this morning. Um, is I asked uh, last or two Sundays ago, uh, my wife put up a board in the hallway. And the questions were, how is God speaking to you? And what would you like to see in our future? Uh, great questions. We, we need to be able to think about the future of our congregation uh, because we know um, change has to happen in any part of life, uh, including businesses, right? Like my mom worked at a dental office growing up and, and her uh, the head dentist said change or die, basically. And so he didn't like it either. He didn't like bringing computers into the offices, but he did it anyway. So here at our church, you guys have done a lot of changes already. For for example, you have a younger pastor. That's me. Uh, thank you for, for uh, allowing me to serve along you. Um, and I appreciate 
our uh, region and district for supporting the ministry here at First. Uh, so these are some of the things that you guys said you would like to see so far. And I want to get that bulletin board filled by the end of the month. Um, they said to be a strong leader. So the way I take that is we want to be a strong leader in the community. That we want to be a strong church for this community. Uh, that no matter what others are doing, that we are staying true to the gospel. Um, that we are focused and unified for Jesus. Uh, because God loves unity in the church, not disunity. The devil likes disunity. So uh, evangelizing outside of our church and in our neighborhood. Amen. Whoever wrote it, uh, I think that is fantastic. That's what we're talking about this morning. That we have to be outside of the walls of first. Uh, we have to be outside of the temple, uh, reaching the lost, reaching the lost sheep. And there are so many people that I encounter on a daily basis here in Dundalk. Uh, that don't have a relationship with Jesus. So we got to do something about that. We got to bring them into the church. We got to love on them. Uh, and what I mean by the church is the people of God, right? Grow within the church and outside of the church. So that that's fantastic. How do we do that? It's a question for you guys as the congregation. How are we going to grow? Uh, you, you know how I believe we're going to grow. That's my threefold vision that I've been trying to cast. Faith, family, future. We grow by investing in the faith, by investing in young families uh, and actually meaning it, um, you know, whatever that means for the congregation. We have we have a lot of young kids and people about my age that are connected to this congregation. If we could just invest in them and bring them in part of the family, be to be diligent in serving and to serve with joy. Amen. You can't run a church with a few people doing most of the work. We need the whole body of Christ to be working together. Uh, and we have really good volunteers of the church, but I mean, I'll be honest with you. I wish we had some more. So if God's calling you to, to serve in ministry here at the church, I would love to have a conversation with you. Message me on Facebook. Uh, call me, email me, talk to me after church. Uh, I won't remember everything if you talk to me after church, but We'll follow up on email. Um, I know I had somebody about two or three weeks ago say God was telling them to make phone calls uh, because right now that's about all we can do, right? We can't do really house visitations. We can't go see shut-ins. Um, but there was a member, so I connected them with Deacon Jim, and I pray that that will be fruitful. Uh, time for fellowship before services. A coffee spot may be comfy chairs. So I, I know what this is talking about. There was a dream uh, well before I got here, where the mailbox room is uh, downstairs in the hallway to kind of knock that that those walls out and to create a little coffee bar and sitting area uh, to be welcoming. And so one of the things that the property committee uh, that, you know, they're trying to do is hopefully make this space even more so inviting and welcoming uh, to our members, uh, but also our community. Uh, we need to be able to showcase our ministries, what we're doing, um, have a property that is a very accessible uh, and easy to navigate. Uh, we had a couple of visitors the last couple of months and some of them, you know, kind of get lost walking around here because it's kind of a maze. Uh, we just need some more signage. Uh, I still get lost trying to figure out where everything is. Uh, so those are all things. Uh, and, and I welcome your visions for the congregation, for the church, for the property. 
uh, the property committee does have a suggestion box and I just really encourage you to fill out a card. It's anonymous. If you want it to be drop it in there. Uh, let's move forward to the mission of God here at first. Uh, so thank you. Uh, it's been an this morning. Um, I'm really grateful that, that God gave me, gives us this opportunity to connect virtually online and again, I want to encourage you this uh, Logos Bible software. If you are a member of the church, please take advantage of it. It's free to you, uh, which is just incredible. Before I was a pastor, before they offered this to churches, I paid like $10,000 in investment in books that many are just free now uh, to you all because you're a member of the church and our uh, Faith Life account. So just go to app.logos.com. And you use your Faith Life login uh, to gain access. Again, if you ever need me, I'm here for you. Call me anytime. Um, and if I don't answer right away, please leave a voicemail uh, or send me a text and I'll get back to you. May God bless you and keep you. See you soon.